Mary Jo Show. Welcome back for another amazing, amazing episode. And I'm so pumped to have you today in the studio with my good friend, <laughs> Vinnie Lilly. The home studio. The home studio. This is professionalism at its finest. And uh, first of all, I have to say I'm completely thrilled to have you here. I've been, you know what, I have to admit that I've wanted to have you on my little podcast for a long time. Yeah. And in fact, as soon as I bought this book, I wanted, to, that was the first thing is that I have to read this book and we have to talk. And that was even before I met you. So, which is super cool. So thank you for coming. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. We've had a good night so far, my friends. We've already covered, uh, have it, we've had some pizza. We've covered world peace and talked about everything under the sun. And now we're going to ca cap it off with a really good podcast. So I was telling Billy, Vinny that I wanted to start a story here before we get started just to kind of capitalize or, or emphasize on why this podcast is so important and valuable to me. So for some of my viewers, uh, the friends and family who know me, everybody knows the Leroy story. And if you're just tuning in and you don't know anything about uh, my journey, uh, a couple of years ago, I met a, a man named Leroy and he was unsheltered living on the streets of, of Winnipeg. Uh, he had been chronically homeless for about 15 years and he had lived completely homeless for seven years. He uh, spent the days either in City Place Mall or the library or Assiniboine Park. And then at night he would go to a bus shelter on the corner of River and Osborne. And that's how he spent his nights trying to stay alive. So I just have a story that I want to share with you guys that just kind of happened in the last couple of weeks. So uh, at work, uh, I tell everybody my Leroy story. If I know you, you know the Leroy story. I badger everybody with, with the Leroy stuff. And when I was getting to know Leroy, was it was downtown at work, and and uh, I told everybody about him. And last week I had a meeting with a gentleman, and I was giving him the Leroy update, and he told me a story that I thought was really interesting. And uh, he told me that before he met me and knew anything about Leroy, um, he had seen him frequently on the city bus. And Leroy was visually impaired; he couldn't he couldn't see just about anything by the time I met him and uh, he would get on the bus and people would make rude comments about him because quite often he was really agitated and angry because, you know, he felt that people were mistreating him or trying to help him when he didn't feel like he needed help. And even this gentleman at work that I talked to said that he even had some negative opinions <clears throat> about Leroy because of he, the fact that he was so agitated and, and angry all the time. But then this man confessed to me in, in our meeting, he said that he, once he heard Leroy's backstory, he was like, uh, I get it. I, I get it. I understand what this guy's all about. And he was able to, to view Leroy with more compassion and empathy because he's, he saw him maybe as a whole person with a story and, and he understood him a lot better. And that, that really hit home with me because we all have a backstory. We all have stuff that we've gone through and and none of us wants to get judged or you know uh by by anything like that this is so that's why i'm so pumped that you're here to tell you the truth is because um for for those of you who haven't read the book all eyes on me um so just i'm going to do the coles notes and then i'm going to let you give the whole story uh that um uh any uh was involved in crime, I guess, and some gang activity and was incarcerated. And when we think of like, I mean, if you think of the two words gang member or incarceration or prison, we have those, those judgments, right? People go to that place of judgment and we don't know the backstory, but if we can hear your backstory, I think people will walk away from this podcast feeling, feeling a lot more empathy and understanding and compassion about not just your journey, but everybody's journey, I think. And that's why, I think that's why, so this, this talk is so valuable. So I'm not going to tell Vinny's story for him because that's what you're here for. But uh, thanks, thanks for coming. Well, I think uh, <clears throat> we all have a story, right? We all have a backstory. And I think that's the, the thing that I love about the book is the fact that I can tell my story and people can read it and they get a better understanding uh, where it is that someone that was in my position might have came from and why the decisions might have happened that I made. Um, not to say that any of the things that I did were justified, but all, honestly, I became a product of my environment. Um, and I have a lot of lived experience 
involved in, you know, gangs and drugs and crime and prison. And uh, I honestly developed a very unique um, amount of <clears throat> of uh, understanding. And uh, I think that's where a lot of a lot of us go wrong is that we don't we don't un we don't understand the situation before we actually judge somebody. And so yeah. I think that's where I think my story is, is has helped me a lot is is in a lot of the things that I went through and the struggles that I went through are what has allowed me to become the person that I am today. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. Um the first time that we had lunch, I think we talked about that 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 because you you've gone on the journey that you went on, it's allowed you to be in this place where you know you can really do a lot helping other people. Well, yeah, and like I said, like you know, like life is tough, and it, it's a real it can be a real struggle for most of us, and that's kind of like the only way that that we can kind of grow. I think in this world is by going through those tough situations, and for me. <clears throat> All the, the the struggles that I went through, literally, I wouldn't take back any of it because it made me who I am today. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, it, that's the, that's the thing is it made me who I am today. And um, I have a real understanding and empathy for this every, everybody's situation. And I, I when I, I see any situation, the first thing I do is come from a place of understanding because that's the only way you can make any sort of judgment if you really want to if yeah. you want to make a judgment you can you have to understand the situation fully yeah for sure so for the people tuning in who don't really know much about your story do you want to just give us like the uh, like a rundown of 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 your of your backstory um you tell us anything that you want about your childhood you know what what took you to you know where you ended up anything at all that you want to tell us I think where my story really started to change for 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 me was the fact that I was born with something called hemophilia, and so it's a blood disorder where my blood my blood doesn't clot on its own, and so I was I was what they called a bleeder, and so I was uh, I bruised very easily, and so in school and everywhere I went, people were always told to take to make to be careful with me, and so I kind of always felt like I was the boy in the bubble, and. So I was always kind of felt like I needed to prove myself that I wasn't weak or that there wasn't anything wrong with me. And uh, obviously I ended up getting involved with pe people that were picking on me and calling me names in school and ended up becoming a fighter and uh, ended up dropping out of school because I got mistreated by the school system because of the name that I had made for myself and uh, then just got involved in uh, obviously before that, like I also had had been sexually abused in my childhood, also, so that really had a great effect on on how I behaved in life. And uh, also, I guess then after the school, I got out, I dropped out of school. Is just basically when I started to get involved with some negative uh, role models and just started to get involved in criminal activity. And then from there on, I just things just kind of took off. And then obviously the drugs came after that. And then that just was the fuel to my fire. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, and, and in the book you talk like, I mean, like the sense of community, like from, from being with, with the people who maybe weren't the best for you. Well, yeah. And that's the thing is that my father also went, went away when I was three. He, uh, went to prison for sexually abusing my two oldest brothers. So he was gone from my life. Like he never came back. So mm -hmm. since I was three, you know, I never had a dad. And so obviously while I was growing up, I was, you know, looking for that older role model and I never really had that. And the way that I like to kind of explain it is as most kids look to, up to their dad, like a superhero, but I didn't have that superhero. So I gravitated towards the villains. Mm-hmm. And so that was basically what happened was I ended up getting involved with the role models and they end up having to be, to be negative. And so I ended up learning some, some bad criminal behavior from these people. And I was willing to do whatever it is that they wanted me to do to get that thing that I was lacking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we've talked about that in a great deal about, you know, like you and I, about looking back on your past and why why do we act or react the way we do and a lot of it stems from that that childhood you know all that stuff so it makes sense yeah <clears throat> so 
in the book you talk like i mean the book i like i mean first of all it's a really good book like it's it's really well written and i know you say you haven't read it right but it's it's really well written and it's really good but it's a hard read just because like i met you uh i read this after after you and i became friends so it was a, maybe a different read for for me because i was i was seeing my friend go through this stuff yeah yeah so it was that was harder because like i i know you know it was like watching you experience something really painful so so that was tough so talk to me a little bit about like like when when like the the crime ultimately led to you being incarcerated a number of times and and you'd get out and you say like i'm i'm done like i got to clean up and then you know things would happen and and something would happen and maybe you'd go back so can you talk to me a little bit about like what what was going on in your life or what happened that got to the point where you were just ready to change your life? Well, it's funny because a lot of people ask me like, what was it that, that happened that kind of changed my life? And the only way I can kind of explain it is I went through a lot of failures, mm -hmm. a lot of mistakes. Right. And that was like, I failed my way to success. And that's basically the only way I can look at it. Is, and that's kind of the way that life is, you know, we're all going to have those failures and those, make those mistakes but the thing is, is we got to learn from them right mm -hmm. and a lot of time we'll be faced with the same situation over and over again until we actually learn the lesson and so that was what i did it was like the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results until i obtained the lesson that was meant to be given to me mm -hmm. and so obviously through the addiction is literally what kind of beat me down to the point where i just needed to submit and just realized that, like, you know, I had, I was faced with that decision that one day where I was, I needed to change or I was going to die. Mm -hmm. And so that was when I was faced with that decision. We're all the face with those defining moments in our life where we can either stay the same or we can change. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what really, what, what really has impressed me so much by you. And I've told you this repeatedly. I think you're, I think you're one of the most amazing people I've ever met. Legit. Yeah. And it's the truth because like you, you read the book and, and you get to the point and you, you, in the book you say like, okay, I got to change. I got to clean up, but then something happens and, and it doesn't quite get there, but you just never, you never gave up. You never, you, you keep, you kept trying and you did get to that point where you had to surrender, but, but you're, but you're working and you're working. And even now you, you're one of the hardest workers I know because every day we have these conversations and you're working on yourself and you're working, you know, and I, I don't know that I know anybody who's, who's worked on themselves. Like I, like you do. Well, thank you. And, uh, I mean, it's been, it's been a tough journey obviously, but I mean, it's, uh, I wouldn't, like I said, I would never take back any of it because it made me who I am today. And, um, I just think that like in order to be found, you have to admit that you were lost. Right. And so a lot of us are just not, are not just capable of admitting that we're lost. Right. And so we just stay stuck. And so I think, you know, obviously forgiveness is a thing that was really huge for me and allowing me to start to make the change. Um, but taking responsibility was the biggest thing for me and just allowing myself like, you know, to look in the mirror and realize that, like I was the one that literally got me to where I was in life and stopped blaming people as to why I was the way that I was. And so that was the thing that really saved me hugely was the, the day that I looked in the mirror and realized that I was the one, only one that was responsible for getting me to where I was right. in my life and not anybody else because we all, you know, life is about choices and we all make choices and, you know, that's everything that we say and everything that we think is creating our future. So that's where ultimately what it was. And then when you come to realize that and you accept it, you know, you can start to really make change. Yeah. And there's a couple of <clears throat> things with that, because if you, if you recognize that you are the one who got you in that position, then you can also recognize that you're the one who has the power to get you out of that. Oh yeah. You're the only one that can, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's like fault and responsibility. They don't go together. Like if you had a, an abusive father or you, you had a husband that cheated on you and ruined your marriage, it's not your fault, but it's your responsibility to do what you need to do to make a better life for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you have that power. 
remember the last lunch that we had, you talked to me about recovery and I really, I really love that concept. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I kind of just learned that thing and it was it really, it, it was really, uh, I loved it because it made so much sense to me and the fact that like when it comes to the word recovery, a lot of us just say like when we're, we're addicts, we're in recovery and we just say that word loosely and we don't really just pay attention to what it is and what it really means. But when you break down the word as to what it really means, recovery means to get something back. And so that's great to get something back. But what you're also not paying attention to is the fact that when you're getting something back, that means that you always had it. And the thing is, as ad- as addicts and, and people who are alcoholics and struggle with addiction, they are, they're to the point where they're beating themselves down when they think they're not enough and they always just never believed that they just had what it took. But when you realize that when you're in recovery, you realize that you, you're recovering something that you always did have. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of people lose sight of. And when you realize that, it can be really powerful to people. Yeah, that's so that's so powerful and so important because it goes back to that self-worth thing that that we often talk about and and I mean if we've got listeners or people who are watching who who right now don't feel like they who maybe don't feel like they have that self-worth or maybe feel like people are judging them based on their past or that label or whatever. I mean, this give like this really can give them a sense of hope, right? Well, for sure. And I mean, obviously a lot of it comes down to understanding where that feeling comes from of why you feel that way. And a lot of it stems from our childhood, right? And so you have to realize that a lot of the things, the thoughts that you think, you know, they stem from these experiences that you had as a child and you attach this emotion to it. And then obviously we all go through life and, you know, we're all born good people, but these things happen in life and they just get piled on top of us and we allow that to become who we are. It's like we're all living our life through the lens of a moment. And so when when we do something negative and we react badly, we think that that's who we are. Mm-hmm. And that's not the truth. It's like you need to give yourself some compassion and just after you react a certain way and realize that that's not who you are. And uh, yeah, just be compassionate with yourself. Yeah, self-awareness and the forgiveness for sure. We're all just human, right? Like mm-hmm. we're all going to fail or we're going to make our mistakes in this world, but it's literally not who we are. Like you're not defined by who you are. You're defined by who you want to become. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So, so tell me about like, like you have a really cool journey and you're like this, you're like this Jedi master of, of this positivity. <laughs> you really are. Yeah. And, but, but like how did you get from point A to point B to, to learning this stuff and, and growing like this? Because uh, I would I would love you to share that journey because if there are other people out there who are, you know, feeling like they're in a place of darkness and they're hopeless and they're they don't have the self-worth. So if they can see your path, then they can they know that they, they can do it. Well, I think uh I think for me, obviously, like dealing with the traumas for anybody is one of the things that really can really affect you. Like, and we all have traumas that we've been through. Usually it stems from our childhood. Um, And I think those are the kind of root issues that we kind of need to deal with. And I think I got lucky in, in, in the way that I was able to deal with those and kind of process those and realize that we, that, that, that we're not responsible, that there's nothing wrong with us, you know, and, and just take responsibility for our part in things that happen and not like be so hard on ourselves. Cause we all are hard, hard on ourselves. Yeah. Like if you can't win the war on your own mind, you can't win the war on the world. Like that's where the real battleground is in your mind. So that's where I, where I really was successful in, in realizing in that we need to strengthen our minds and stop trying to strengthen our, our wallets. Mm-hmm. Right. Because Literally, it's the thoughts that that we think and the words that we speak that create our future, right? So if you don't focus on that, then you'll always just stay where you are. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And and you've talked to me about about like the 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 positive thoughts, right? It, like positive and working on that and like pushing out the negative thoughts and the refractory. That, that's what you called it, right? The refractory period. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that because that, that shows me how hard you're working. So talk, can you talk to us about that? Cause I love that concept. 
Well, I think that, uh, like, obviously we all have that negative, ne- negative thinking. We'd have to realize that that negative thinking, that's not who we are. Like we're, we are not our thoughts. We are the ones that are observing them and hearing them. And those thoughts are all created from the experiences that we go through and, and the tra- traumatic experiences that we go through or negative experiences that we go through. Those thoughts are, are it's like, it's like a narrative that gets, that mm-hmm. gets built up from what we go through. Yeah. And so we have to literally unlearn all that stuff that we weren't learned through our traumas and just relearn. And that's where I learned the power of <clears throat> using positive affirmations. And so the refractory period thing was, um, we're all going to react. We're all going to react to any negative situation, but for how long are you going to react to it for? So that's what the refractory period is, is how long are you going to re- react to a negative situation? And what you do is you consistently correct every negative thought with three positive ones. And so the more consistently that you do this, and this is what they what they call when they say do the work. Mm-hmm. This is the work that I'm talking about. You have to do this every single day, all day. You correct every single negative thought with three positive ones. And uh, so what what you do by doing that is you shorten the refractory period. And what, what I mean by the refractory, refractory period is your, your, your response and the length of time that you respond to any negative situation. So like, for instance, someone that doesn't practice at, at all, a negative situation will happen and they'll be... Uh, they'll react to it for like, say three weeks. Like, you know, they're like, this thing happened three weeks ago and I just can't get over it. Right. And so the more consistently that you practice this positive affirmations is what I use to correct every negative thought. The more that you practice it, the shorter your refractory period is. Yeah. I love that. Cause I know, like, I mean, uh, I, in the past have had that tendency, you just live in your shit, right? It just oh, yeah. And then if you don't, if you yeah. literally let any, any negative thoughts slip by, you just don't know, but you let it slip by and what happens is it just snowballs and you allow it to get bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and bigger. And so just like with the consistency of correcting it, it just literally gets easier and easier. And it's not hard. It's not easy in the beginning, but the easier that the more that you do it, the easier it gets. And so obviously just like anything that you practice, you get good at. So if you want to practice being negative, then you'll get good at it. Yeah. Right. So the most important thing is to practice being positive and, and just realize that those negative thoughts that you're having, that that they're, that's not who you are. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Let's talk a little bit about the work that you do, because uh, I, I think it's like everything that you do in a day, you're giving back to the community. So let's talk about like, I mean, the DCSP and the work that you do at the shelter, all that stuff. Well, I, I, I got, I've been with DCSP for two years now. I got hired literally from them, which is really beautiful. I got hired because of my lived experience. Mm-hmm. So every time that I would go apply for a job in the past, they wouldn't hire me because of the things that I've been through. Well, DCSP, the Downtown Community Safety Partnership, they hired me because of my past and the lived experience that I have. And so every person that's hired on, on our team literally has lived experience in different areas. And so we can, that allows us to be able to relate to people that we are helping and they can relate to us and understand. Mm -hmm. And we just can build relationships with people in a a way more beautiful way. And uh, so then through that DCSP, I ended up getting uh, repositions at the homeless shelter called Nadinaway Mac, which is at 190 Israeli. Um, I'm there now five days a week. And so my position there is just, if anybody needs any help, they, they get sent to me and then I dispatch my team to come assess them and see what it is that we can do for them. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So, cause you've got, <sighs> so, so tell us what the, what your team does like out in the community, um, like on a day-to-day basis. And I didn't realize like that you're kind of like you're running the show then, like you're telling them all where to go. Yeah. Oh, that's super cool. So the downtown community safety partnership has three different teams. The one team is called the core team and they're the case management team. So they basically get all the cases referred to them and they, and they start to funnel whatever it is that they need to help the, the people with. Right. And then there's the connect team, which is the team that walks around the downtown area okay. every day yeah, and finds the participants that need help and what they need help with. And then they refer them to the core team. 
And then they have their other team called the MAC 24-7 team. So basically they'll have a lot more extensive medical background and they also have vans that they drive around 24-7 and also have people calling them if they have issues with someone and they see someone needs help or, you know, they have the number that they can call and they'll come and drive and find them or do, they'll do uh, transports if someone needs something, even do safe walks for people who work downtown and want to get somewhere safely that they'll do safe walks and stuff like that for them. Oh, okay. That is super cool. Yeah. And you've been, it's been in operation for three years? Over three years. Over now, three yeah. years. So how did it get started? Uh, well, th- we literally used to be the downtown watch. Okay. So the guys with the red sweaters, I'm pretty oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. My understanding, yeah. they used to walk around the downtown area. And yeah. So I guess their approach just wasn't, they're basically the eyes and ears for the Winnipeg police. So mm-hmm. they weren't really, their approach wasn't really all that successful when it came to dealing with the unsheltered people because literally what they would do is they just kind of kick them out of bus shacks and whatever the people would call and say they complain about the homeless people they would come and just kind of shoo them out mm-hmm. and you know it didn't really do very much so right. basically now we absorb them and they don't exist anymore and we basically came up with a new name a new uniform and a new approach and so we're, we have a more proactive approach where we can become a part of the the solution not the problem and so we're there to help the people that are there. You want to make the downtown area better, then you need to help the people that are struggling there and help them get out instead yeah. of just kind of pushing them around. That's right, because you're you're there, you're there, kind of like a, as a friend, right? You're like I've I've been down that road. Yeah, and we're so there just to support you. Since we've been there for three over three years, you know, obviously our the thing that we wear our toques and our uniforms there's a neon green and so it's like easily it's like a beacon, right? Mm-hmm. And so whenever they see us coming, the relationships that we have built, they know that we're coming to help. Oh, that is so valuable because I know when Leroy was on the streets, he was terrified of the police. Uh you know, again, not good experiences and uh he would have he would have never wanted help from the police. He didn't want help from anybody. But if he could have met people from your team on a on a more compassionate level, you know, things might have been entirely different for him a lot sooner. Yeah, and I think that's what we've really capitalized on is being able to, to build these relationships with the people that we're helping. You know, and like because it's like it's allowing them to get into a way better frame of mind to make the decisions that they do make. Of course, yeah, a lot of them do do struggle with addiction and stuff like that, and rightfully so, but we are still building really solid, unique, trustworthy uh, relationships with the people that we're helping, and sure. that's what, what our approach is. And another thing that we really want to make sure that we're a part of is diverting calls from the police and the fire paramedics because obviously they get called to these calls for people who are in distress or whatever, and they just not qualified to deal with it. And literally what they're doing is they're making the situation worse. If the police show up and the person just like reacting from their past experiences from police or from wherever it is that they, and so, you know, they make this can make the situation worse. Not to say that the police aren't helpful in certain areas, but just some of these calls that they respond to, they're just not capable of responding and dealing with it in, in the proper way. And so that's where we come in and we can deal with it with compassion and, understanding and just kind of just be there for them that's yeah i totally i totally get that you know just even just from my work with leroy like i mean and like you say if if your friends have had past incidents with the police then they're just going to react from a place of fear rather than from from support yeah if people want to support the dcsp is there any way they like do you take donations or anything like that or uh, yeah you, like if they support? If they find the the way to contact the DCSP, there are like the, a lot of the things that they do is they can they they carry food around with them and water and stuff yeah. like that and yeah. obviously like winter stuff and so they have that stuff in their vans and so if people ever don't the people do donate like mm-hmm. there are they actually have um, businesses within the downtown area that actually donate food and stuff to yeah. them that they can give out to people That's whenever great. they need it and so obviously they. There's obviously not enough. They don't have enough to give out for for the need that needs to be filled. Mm-hmm. So, if ever there's anybody that want to donate stuff, there's, there's it's always going to go to a good place. Yeah. So tell us about the shelter then. Like, I mean, so so do you just dispatch, or, or can people come there for support? Like, do you have beds, or like what? Like, tell me about that. Well, I mean, obviously the the shelter's been there for over a year now, and it's got over 150 beds. Oh, okay. So, yeah. 
I mean, people come in, they literally, the way the process is, is they can come in and they can uh, get a bed at, they give their name and they give their birth date. And then after they have to wait till around two o'clock in order to get a bed in the afternoon. And then they get a bed and then they can stay and hang around in the area or go into their bed after two o'clock and just like sleep or whatever. And then the next day, when the next day comes, uh, basically it's like a reset. Right. Okay. So then like all the beds are back to normal and then we do a cleaning at 1030 where everybody has to go outside. Mm-hmm. If it's if it's not too cold out, then people will go outside during 1030 and, and 1230 mm-hmm. and then 1230 they can come back and do the same thing, get another bed at two. Cool. Cool. And like do you like tell me about the people who, who take you up on your services. Are you building relationship with these guys? Like like tell me about tell me about your friends there. Well, I mean, obviously the, the team that comes in and assesses them, obviously they get, they get, uh, assessed and then obviously the, the core team can, can make the determination of what it is that they need and whether they can help them. Cool. And then they get added to our roster of all the people that we have that we help and, you know, it's easier for us to kind of like find them and help them with their need if we just like look on the computer and then boom, they come up and. That's super. Yeah, that's excellent. And you and I had talked about our little resume writing project, which I hope can take off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and they have like computers there for people to use at Nadinaway Mac. And so I just realized that, yeah, there are people there obviously that are trying to find jobs. And, sure. You know, uh, it can be a barrier for them if they, especially when it comes to the resume making. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's kind of one thing like, I mean, that I've I've been really thinking about. I mean, I'm clearly not helping Leroy now because he's passed away, but um, Kelly, for example, um, goes out on Saturday mornings and, and does her, you know, hands out food and stuff like that. So the reason I got the idea about the resumes is like, well, what can I do? What, how can I use my skills to help, you know? And, and I think every person on this planet has a way that they can contribute using their own skills and talents. So if we can gather together and make resumes for you, like it's easy, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, we all have a purpose, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it's all about is just actually finding what our purpose is in this world. And then if you don't and if and until you do, you're kind of just floating around and, you know, mm-hmm. it's like they say that when that alarm clock goes off in the morning, if you're not happy, do something else. Exactly. It's, very, it's so true, isn't <laughs> so, it? Because we all have a purpose and we all have a gift to give to each other. Yeah. Well, every day that I go in is like no day is like work. So it's like when I used to work before, it was like I dreaded it. Yeah. And now it's like whenever I go in, no day is like work. So it's beautiful. You're in the right place. You're doing the right thing for sure. You yeah. have a gift. So so tell us about about your speaking that you go to the schools, which is super, super cool. Yeah, I think I was always just very thankful and blessed that I got invited into the schools uh, to talk and tell my story because literally this started off as a dream for me when I was 30 years old in a prison cell. Like I was in a prison cell and just thinking to myself, like, I wish I could one day get into the schools and tell my story and start to kind of help some people. And uh, like, obviously it didn't end up happening for, I think about maybe six or seven years after that. But I mean, ultimately it did end up happening. And so uh, it's it's definitely one of my passions and I'm, I'm very grateful that I can get into the schools and tell my story. I think that's where it starts is you know, we want to start addressing these things to our youth, right? And mm-hmm. maybe they can maybe make better decisions and kind of learn from my story. Yeah. There's a lot to learn. Like you say, like, I mean, make better decisions and you, we, you know, we talked about the self-worth, but yeah, like there's, you have a lot, you have a lot to offer as far as perspective, I think, and wisdom for sure. So you've been, you've been speaking for three years. Yeah, three years. I think I'm probably, I I haven't got the number yet, but when I'm hoping to get the number soon, I'm pretty sure it's over a hundred schools that's that I went into. Cool. Yeah. And uh, like I've done colleges, I've done drop-in centers, I've done treatment centers, I've done CFS agencies, I've done foster parents, uh, military barracks. I went and talked to the cadets. Oh yeah. So it's like, it's been the more that I do, the more that my name's getting out there and mm-hmm. I'm just hoping to get into the reserves and stuff like that too. So yes, yes. So, so for our listeners, depending on when you're listening and, and where you are, we are building a website for Vinny, which is getting close to being ready to go. And uh, if you want to book Vinny to speak, then you can find him on Instagram and Facebook and we can share the contact information. So by all means, uh, definitely contact you because he's, you're a really good speaker. 
Like you got to go. No, I mean, and the more that I do it, the the better I get. So it's like, yeah, I need more. Right. (laughs) You're really good at it. You're really good at it. So tell me, like, I mean, in your, do you have any stories like from your speakers? And I, I, if it hasn't happened yet, it's going to happen. Like, have you had people kind of come to you and say like, wow, that really connected with me or years later, like you really helped me in ABC. And if it hasn't happened yet, it's going to happen for sure. I've had people, a couple people do that, like in a, in a sense, but uh, I think what's really powerful is when the kids come and talk after, like yeah. after the, yeah. after I speak, like, and some of them come and they start to tell me their story about their own traumas and stuff that exactly. they have at home. Yes. And I, and I just am just so grateful for that because they don't realize the courage and the power that it takes to open, open mm-hmm. up and start talking about stuff like that. And that's one of the reasons why I love to do what I'm doing is because the problem is, is it's, there's too many people that are struggling and they don't talk about the things that are bothering them. And literally it's like a poison inside of them that just mm-hmm. eats them alive. Yeah. And we all have, we all have trauma, you know, and we've all done things that we're maybe not proud of, but letting that eat you up is just going to kill you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, here's a question. Do you know, like, I mean, if you've got a, okay, I don't even know how to frame this. If you had a, like, do you know other people who have maybe gotten out of the prison system who have, have learned the same lessons as you, or do you have maybe advice for people who have gotten out of the prison system or, anything like that from a rough background that is just getting started or I don't know. I, I, I mean, I have guys that I know that I, that I actually even work with that have done the same thing, you know, even at the shelter, there's yeah. three or four guys that I work with that have gotten out of prison and have, have started to do the same thing, right. Change yeah. their lives. And, and it all stems from the fact that we're all born good people. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like there's a lot of guys in jail that do bad, a lot of bad things, but, when those cell doors close at night, those true people emerge and they're not, and they're reflecting on their lives and they're not saying how happy they are about where they, where they are and what, right. what they did to get them to where they are. They're wishing that it could be better. And I know for a fact, because I was one of those people. Mm-hmm. And so like literally what we just need is a chance. And so when people get out is what we need is a chance. And I would just encourage people that when they get out of prison or get out of jail, just to try and reach out and try and find some people you can connect with, or you can maybe even start doing some work where you can help some people or do some volunteer work, because that's literally the feeling that you need to kind of like allow that seed that's already inside of you to start to grow and help you realize that you really are a good person and you, and you do deserve a good life. Yeah. Yeah. Two things that came out of that for me that, that you mentioned is, is serving others, right? Because that, that just does something, right? Well, they say self-help comes from helping others, yeah, right? And so, yeah. like, you get a real good feeling. And that's where I started about four years ago was just I got invited into the OPK and start do the volunteering work. And then you really get a good feeling of, you know, let's say if you go out and give out food to the unsheltered or whatever it is, like helping people just literally it just it just breathes life into you and just brings you back from from all that negativity yeah yeah it's like a it's like magic really so one thing that i really enjoyed reading about in your book was the the pan am and only main one reason was because i know harry i worked for harry which was you know it was like wow you know <laughs> so so that was a good experience was it, it was a good experience oh yeah, yeah. it was life-changing for me yeah yeah so tell us about that because i don't know if a lot of people know about about pan am and that's super cool and harry black thanks for giving me the job yeah thanks for not letting me go when you found out i was pregnant three days after i got the job <laughs> so yeah i uh i mean after i what happened was i i checked myself into into afm treatment and that's where i started which was in 2018 and then after i left uh afm they give you the options for the second stage housing. And so within the four or five different places that they gave me to choose from, one of the places was Pan Am place. And so it's like a second second stage housing for at-risk men of homelessness and addiction. And so basically if you go there, they house you, they feed you, and they train you in boxing. And so that was the place that I chose to go to. And it literally taught me a lot of discipline and, and uh, really just strengthened me and gave me an opportunity to to learn a lot of things about myself yeah i love that because it's community like you say it's the structure 
you know, y'all had stuff to do and training and all the stuff. Yeah. And I mean, had I ne- had I never went to to Pan Am, I would have never met the writer of my book. That's where I met the writer of my book. So That's right. Yeah, was in the classes, the boxing classes. So I think that everything happens for a reason, and that was meant to happen. Yeah, one hundred percent was meant to happen. All of it is connected, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, and then Mitch, when did you meet Mitch? I met Mitch uh, maybe maybe eight years ago, maybe. Okay. And obviously when I first had met him, I was still involved in prison and parole and all that kind of stuff. I was still involved in drugs and gangs and that stuff. So I wasn't really, really like ready to change or like, obviously I was still wanting to change, but I mean, just kind of like had one foot in one foot out. And so I just, once I met him, we talked and he told me what he was about and stuff like that. And I was just like, yeah, okay, whatever. And just, we started just seeing our, seeing each other. Uh, throughout time on the street and not that it'll end up just like kind of like finding me on the street and just inviting me into come to do the volunteering and that's where it kind of started that's super cool yeah he's he's a force like i don't know a ton about him but i i have just tons of respect for him yeah and i think just you know, what you put out, you attract, right? And so he does really good stuff in the community and he has for, oh, I think, over 40 years. Mm-hmm. And so it's just part of who he is and what he's supposed to do. And people are just attracted to him that are that need help. And Yeah. Yeah, he's gold. He's pure gold, that guy. So tell me, tell me a couple things. Tell me about what you have planned for the future. What do you got going on? And also, do you want to talk about the program that you have in mind? And you don't have to. It's up to you. Uh, I think, well, just for what I have planned for the future, I just like, I literally, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing with the speaking, public speaking, mm-hmm. and just like, you know, just keep kind of spreading the word and kind of giving, inspiring people about the word of hope and, you know, and just kind of trying to inspire people into talking and telling their own stories. Because mm-hmm. I think that's where where we're at today is that a lot of people need to start telling their stories so that other people can start feeling comfortable telling their stories and and so I think that's just where there's a real power in in in, in releasing this stuff that we allow to hold us down and so I just want to continue to keep doing the public speaking and hopefully get people to start opening up and telling their story and then uh, to do with the program that I would like to start is just has to do with the things that I have learned that have helped me get to where I'm at today, which is basically learning about the positive affirmations and the power of positive thinking and uh, just how a lot of everything that we go through literally does stem from our childhood. Mm-hmm. And that a lot of the time we just think that there we're messed up or there's something wrong with us. And you need to realize that, you know, we became a product of our environment due to our, the, the circumstances that we were raised in. Mm-hmm. And when you come to understand like, like I said, you need to come from a place of understanding when you understand where it is that you you only can know where you're going first if you know where you've come from first. So brilliant. You stop and understand and you can completely just have compassion for yourself and just kind of get out of that victim mentality that a lot of us stay stuck in. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think your future is very, very bright. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited too. Like, and I think that, you know, I think things could happen for a reason. I think we were meant to meet because it's kind of funny how we met, you know, but I think that was meant to happen too. For sure. Yeah. But, uh, I just, uh, I love the fact that like, like I'm not saying like there obviously are people that are out there that are doing bad things still. Right. And, and I don't judge them because I know exactly where that comes from. They don't want to be doing those things. But I think that's like the part that saves us all is realizing that we really are good people and not allowing all those things that we've done to hold us down and just kind of break away from that and just to start to do different things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. That's so true. And so I think this might sound like a repetitive question. I'm sorry if it is, but what would, what would you want people to think of when they hear the word gang member or when they hear about somebody who has been in prison rather than thinking about, oh, fuck, 
what what should they think? Like going back well, to the backstory. I mean, just that's what it is, is that it all has to do with their story. If they mm-hmm. were to hear their story, they need to realize that these people aren't the things that they're that they've done. They don't want to be doing it. Yeah. Yeah. They don't. Like it's not something that they are happy about. It's not something that makes them feel good at the end of the day. They become products of their environment and uh they need to understand that like everything that happens they don't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I cannot tell you no shit how much respect I have for you. Thank you. Just piles and piles and piles. And I think your future is very, very bright. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I think it's very <laughs> exciting. I think it is. Yeah. So thank you very much, my friend. It is an honor to call you a friend. Um, definitely anybody out there, all eyes on me. Why did why did you call it all eyes on me? What's the story there? Um, well I've I've made a I made a real crazy discovery about myself within the past three or four months and which is the fact that I well I mean I, I already knew that I like I'm an attention seeker, right? And so that's where the name comes from, right? Oh, okay. That I'm an attention seeker. So I was always wanting all eyes on me, oh, right? And so that's yeah. where the name comes from. But I also made a discovery that I thought when I was a child that I actually didn't get much attention and Mm -hmm. that's why I was always looking for it. That makes sense. But the truth of the matter is is that it's the opposite. I literally got so much attention every single place that I went because of my medical condition. Oh, yeah. That everybody was always just like taking care of me and wanting to be close to me and literally even my brothers when they would take me to parties and stuff Mm -hmm. like that because, yeah, when they would take me to parties and stuff, they would literally give me to the women. The women would take care of me oh. and they would do, you know, obviously there's a party, right? So they'd be like, yeah. here, take care of my brother. He's, oh, okay. and then they would know about the medical condition. So they'd be all just like, let's take care of him. And, and even, oh. in, even, even in the, even in the, in the hospitals, I spent a majority of my youth in the hospitals, mm-hmm. the doctors and the nurses were all like that with all the hemophiliacs. Yeah, fair. So everywhere I went, everybody knew my story. And so they would literally always take care of me and keep me close and shower me with attention and, so that's now I know that that's why the way that I am, I am the way that I am and how I always just struggle with needing attention. That's really interesting. You are, you are a Jedi at self-awareness and working your ass off. You really are massive respect. Well, it's the work. You got to do the work. You got to right? do the work. And you know, that's one thing that I've kind of learned this year, the past couple of years is my kind of, one of my mantras is, um, the, the worse you feel, the harder you work and the harder you, you work, the better you feel. And so, so I always work. Like if I feel shitty, I just work harder. Well, I mean, you work yeah. harder at it. What comes easy won't last. And yeah. what, what, what comes, how does that saying go? What comes easy won't last and what lasts won't come easy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's brilliant. Isn't it's it? kind of the way that it is, right? Yeah. Like you put yeah. the work in, you get what you put in. Yeah, for sure. Do you want to talk about your stickers at all? Uh, I think like I just mentioned that, you know, sure. it's like it's, uh, the power of the positive affirmations. I kind of got the passion from that because of the amount of progress that I, that it's had and the effect that it's had on my life. Yeah. And that's where the passion comes from. And so I make the stickers with the positive affirmations and put them all over the city for like, I think it's been like over two years yeah, I've been doing that cool. on the buses and, yeah. and malls and just like everywhere I go, I put the stickers and. So I've been getting responses from people when they find them and just saying like, thank you and stuff like that. And yeah. so that's another thing that kind of just uh, strengthens my passion in it to keep doing it. Yeah. And so I even have a production company that's printing the stickers for me now. So it's like, they say that you get rewarded in, in private for what you practice in public. Mm-hmm. Or no, no, how does that saying? You get re- rewarded in private for what you practice in public. I don't know how that goes, but. Sounds good anyway. Yeah. <laughs> It does. But just think about like how many people like out there who are maybe having a shitty ass day for whatever reason. And then they see your sticker, you are loved or you are worthy, all this stuff. And they're like, yeah, I was meant to see that today. Yeah. And then, yeah, people, they think like one I put up today on the bus, I, it says happy birthday. I love it. The only reason why I did that is because I was thinking it's somebody's birthday. Maybe someone will see it and they think it's to them, right? That's super cool. (laughs) Yeah, that is super. Because, you know, and what you put out is what you get back from the universe. And you were putting out so much positivity. It's it's coming back, you know, for sure. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. So this book, All Eyes on Me, uh, one of the best ways to get this book is to contact Vinny and he will mail you a copy. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. And I can tell you, like, I mean, I wasn't sure what to expect when I read this, but it is damn good. Like, it's very, very well written. And it's like, I mean, for me, like I had to say, like, I mean, it wasn't an easy read because I was reading about my friend by that point. I didn't buy this thinking I was going to read about my friend. But as I bought it, no, because like, this is so weird. So I have to tell our, our, our massive million followers here is, um, I had decided that when I, I don't even know if I told you this, I decided that when I was writing my own book about Leroy and, and getting on the speaker circuit, that I wanted to do more just reading about stuff to get educated. And uh, the universe gives you what you ask for. Like everything happens for a reason. And I follow Mitch on Instagram and he had posted on his stories going to your book launch at chapters, yeah. I think. So I thought, huh, who the hell is this guy? And uh, he wrote a book or there's a book about him. I'm going to check it out. So I, I went to your, well, Amazon, and I'm sorry. <laughs> It's okay. Yeah. So I bought the book and then I started following you. And uh, then Kelly Harris, who I'm going to have on the show too, she and I had dinner at Boston Pizza one night. And I was telling her, like, have you read this book? Like, so, you know, I just got this book and have you read this guy? And I hadn't read it yet because I just got it. And we were talking about it because she got the book too. And she was like, yeah, this guy's so amazing. And yeah. <laughs> And that night, that night, you messaged me on Instagram. That was the first night. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then and then we became best friends. Yeah. Whether he liked it or not. <laughs> so anyhow, if you want a copy of the book, there are ways to get it. You can contact Vinny directly or we can post a link in uh, my social media too for you to buy it directly. And honestly, it's a very, very, it's a very good book. And I think it's something that, should be in all schools. Should be everywhere. So thank you very much, my friend. Your future is bright. I am nothing but proud of you. Nothing but inspired by you. I have just massive respect. You're thank a cool you. ass. You're a cool ass dude. I would just like to say, don't forget to be yourself. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Because that's how you close off your speeches at schools, right? Yeah. Yeah, be yourself, which is so, so true. Celebrate yourself. So as always, when I close... Celebrate yourself, pay somebody a compliment, buy somebody a coffee, do positive affirmations, do a sticker. You're amazing. <laughs> See you later. <laughs>